Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, episode 92. My guest today is a very special person to my wife and I, uh, Pastor Ted Hampton. He was our pastor at Wayside uh, Church there in, in Lomita, close to where we live. And then when he retired, we stayed friends and uh, followed him to the church we're at now. And we sit by him every day, and he, he, we flew him out to Kansas City, and he married us. And uh, so he's a very important person to us. Uh, um, for a lot of reasons, and, and uh, so how you doing, Pastor Ted? Mentally and physically, how you yeah. feeling today? Well, I've had worse days, but I've had lots better days. Yeah. 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 But for most of good. Spirits are good. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you've got family coming in in two days, which... Yes. And you've got your brother here, and, and your your nephew and, and sister are coming out in the day after Christmas. Correct, and, yes. Uh, Physically, though, you're, you're feeling kind of tired right now? Physically, I'm pretty beat up, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How's your, uh, you, you feel peaceful, though, right now? Mentally? Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the main thing I wanted to talk to you today about was um, your relationship with God, and not only it's your profession, um, but I was curious, like, what, if anything in particular, if there was one event or if um, a combination of things that, that led you to feel so strongly about God in the first place? Is it just how you were raised, or? Hmm. My faith journey has evolved. Okay. I was born and raised in the church. I was carried to church before I knew where I was being carried to. Sure. And uh, back when I was at that age, there was no social life where I grew up except the church. And so that became my social life and friends and and uh, whatever I was involved in it, always circumvented around the church. Okay. And then when you decided to that you wanted this to uh, be what you wanted to do for a living, was there a certain age that it dawned on you, or? Yeah, that was mid high school. Okay. When I was looking at. Uh, another ending and another beginning, mm-hmm. not feeling sure what to do. Um, although I think my spiritual journey was authentic, uh, my friends and associates were all going uh, into the church in one capacity okay. or another. And so I kind of flowed with the crowd, mm-hmm. and then my personal journey evolved to where it became uh, more authentic. Well, that's pretty, uh, you know, to know midway through high school that you wanted to dedicate your life to God, I would say that most high school kids aren't there yet, you know, so it, it seems like it was in you pretty early, you know. Yeah, that's probably true, yeah. Yeah. Although, as I said, the kids in my peer group in high school, uh, we all went uh, to the same university and uh, followed the trail into some form, uh, some form of church work. Oh, wow. So, like, all your friends, basically, yeah. that you hung around? Yeah, we were either ended up pastors or missionaries or church-related teachers of huh. some kind or other. Well, I bet that was a happy group of parents. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it would be. Yeah. You know, I mean, of all the things that people have to deal with when their kids are in high school, you know, that seems like it would be a pretty good thing to, to uh, yeah, 
So you say your your spiritual journey has evolved. Um, how would you how would you describe that? Like, what do you mean exactly by that? Well, when you're young, you know, you do the the high school youth fellowship stuff that's a part of church life, and as you age, then that takes on a a deeper resonance that is more authentic and a, a genuine spiritual journey mm-hmm. rather than just going along with your peer group. And yeah. When you uh, um, decided to do it for a living, did you did you uh, have did you want to preach the way that you were uh, raised, or did you how did you develop did did you develop your particular mm-hmm. style? Because what drew Casey and I to you was you were always able to uh, apply whatever you were talking about in the Bible to our how we live now, and that's that's an art. A lot of people can't do that. If I had a role model, it would have been uh, Peter Marshall, okay. who was a middle-aged uh, pastor of some note in the Washington, D.C. area okay. as I was uh, coming through high school. And I was so enamored with what I perceived to be his spiritual journey. And I wanted a journey like that. Okay. Nice. Um, <clears throat> it seems kind of a weird question, I guess, but do you, do you think God cares if we believe in him? Yes, okay. I think God cares. Okay. Uh, God does not mandate belief. But God responds to belief. Okay. Has there ever been a time in your life where you found yourself mad at God? <laughs> Let me count the ways. Yeah. Yeah, sure, there are many disappointments along the way. Yeah. I don't have specific ones, but uh, just where you have dreams that are shattered and things don't come together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you didn't have, I did not have guidance through those years. I did not have a, a spiritual person that I could go to and say, help. Right. There was no one you felt like you could go to or? No. No. No, as I said, my my role model became Peter Marshall, and uh, I, I really modeled myself after him. Okay. Uh, he was a profound pastor, preacher, and uh, that's what I wanted to do and to be. And, and it more or less came together. It's... Have you had a uh, favorite time period of your life? Is there anything you look back on that you're like, that was the best time of my life? Oddly enough, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. But uh, through a series of unrelated events, I ended up going to Panama and lived there for a little over three years. Mm -hmm. And uh, those were great years. I got exposed to a foreign culture and... uh, learned a new language, and uh, just had a great, 
great time mm-hmm. uh, discovering that era of my life. Yeah. So. You made some good friends and that kind yes. of thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's some place I've never been. I've never been before. And spent three years there, huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. You st- can you still speak the language? Oh, claro que sí. Nice. I think that means yes, I can. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> um, we we spoke about this, and and I was interested in your your answer. And I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but um, you had said that there's no mention of hell in the Old Testament of the Bible, which I've I loved to hear because mm-hmm. it makes so much sense. Um, do you believe in a hell? Not as normally taught by the church, no. Okay. No. Uh, the concept in the Old Testament, uh, the word used is uh, Sheol, and that refers to the underground place where the dead go. And uh, through the uh, falling of the river Styx, which doesn't have to mean anything to you, uh, you can find your way back from Sheol. Okay. And uh, that, that was my understanding of hell, not a place of, of eternal punishment. Okay. And uh, which, which is not... A place of eternal punishment is not in and of itself a strong biblical concept. It, it's there, but it's not a focal point okay. of uh, Scripture. Why do you think it became such a focal point for so many people? Oh, Control? leverage. Leverage, yeah. If you can get people to believe in hell, you can bend them to your will. Yeah. And uh, one of the foibles of the church was to get people to... Uh, to yield to the will of the church and to obey as the church saw obedience and uh, to to have any hope for eternal life you had to obey the church now, that may not have been accurate but that's what they believed then okay how do you how do you navigate um, how, how do you how do you go about teaching someone or telling someone um, how to decipher what's something from God and what's something that man kind of got his hooks into, for lack of a better way to say it. And, and hmm. you know what I mean. How would you advise somebody to to do that? Because I struggle with that sometimes. I'm like, was that something some dude made up to control people, or is that actually what God wants for us? Well, there's an awful lot of stuff that some dude made up. I've never sorted it out and counted, but uh, there's an awful lot of it. Okay. And uh, they became, those things became teachings of the church that I may have said before were designed to foster obedience to the church. Okay. And uh, the, the growth beyond just literal obedience, road obedience, to a faith journey, it's a pretty big step mm-hmm. and uh, takes a lot of time and effort. Okay. What do you think, um, what do you think, if anything, that God wants from us? Just to love each other? It's almost a cliche, but yes. 
God wants us to love and to be loved. And uh, there's not much you can do to elaborate on that. It just yeah. Well, if you, it, it seems to me like if that's one of those things that if you do it right, everything else will kind of fall into place. Because you can't go around genuinely loving people and you know, if you if you go around loving everyone, it seems like you're probably living a good life, yeah. which will make everything fall into place. Like I try to tell myself, if I if I raise my son the right way, I will have to be living the right way in order to do that, yeah. so everything else will fall into place. Exactly. Yeah, you cannot you cannot make the journey falling falling all over yourself in passion. Okay. Uh, the life journey is has passion, but people who are overwhelmed with passion are probably out of touch and in sometimes very unhealthy ways. Okay. What, what do you mean by that? I mean, what's an example of someone who's like extreme extremists? Yeah, extremism... Uh, I can't get away from the word passion. They're just uh, passionate about uh, being in love with God. And there's a history for that in the, uh, in the ancients. Uh, you know, Sister Teresa and some Mother Teresa, people from that era who were very passionate about their faith. But to live that passionately you virtually have to go into some kind of a cloistered community where there is no focus on anything else. And if you live that way, that can be a productive and a good life, but it doesn't keep the world going on. In other words, if you want to help the people who need help the most, you probably need to get outside of that. Is that kind of what you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah, okay. if it's uh, oh, some old teachings about when uh, when Jesus is up on the mountaintop and he had those ethereal experiences with some of the saints. Uh, the bottom line was that for Jesus to be effective, he had to come down from the mountain okay. and mix with the masses. Okay. So. Do you think that's why God was... Or Jesus was uh, kind of. It seems to me that part of the reason Jesus walked the earth was to see that it's kind of hard to be a human being, um, and maybe report that back to God. Is that too much of a simplification? Well, I can't speak directly for God, but uh, my understanding of that is that that Jesus, who is God walking among us, uh, walked among us that we might know God. And without the presence among us, we don't know about it. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, you say you can't speak for God, and I know that you can't, and no one can, but as far as I'm concerned, you can. <laughs> like, you're the one that I have, that I, you know, like anything I hear, I'm like, well... I'll run that pat. I'll run that past Pastor Ted and see if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Well, you know, uh, 
however much longer we're friends, um, that's one of the things I'm going to miss the most about you. You know, I may not have talked to you every day or anything, but um, I knew that any time I had a question, I, I could ask you and you would answer it. And, and we always went to uh, George's Greek Cafe, and I, I kind of feel bad that we didn't bring any George's. We, we probably still we, we can <laughs> if you would like to. That's all right. I started to ask you the other day. I couldn't remember what it was that you that you got. Casey and I think the world of you, and he also married us in, in Kansas, and, and came all the way back to Kansas to, to do that for us, and um, so this is some, somebody we think uh, very highly of us. Um, I may have already kind of asked you this, um, what does God want, if anything, from us? I guess I did ask you that. Um, what advice would you give to someone who wants to pray or is curious about it. Like, I have friends that have no idea how to even go about praying, you know, and I try to, I try to lead people to God without scaring them, scaring them about it. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'll just let you answer the question. Um, That's a toughie. For, for me, there, there's no formula, and the way I learned was just uh, walking through my daily life just talk to God, just as if he were a physical presence right there. Just talk to God. Okay. And uh, it it worked. Yeah. When I was, uh, I don't think I've ever told this story on my podcast, but when I, I quit drinking nine years ago, and I'm a, you know, I'm a comic, so it's always free, and, it, you know, it's easy to become a problem, and, mm -hmm. and it was kind of becoming a problem in my life, and, and one morning I... I you know, I used to wrestle, and, and we used to make these homemade saunas in hotel rooms where we would stick a towel under the door and turn the hot water on as hot mm. as it would go and sweat out the, yeah. you know, just to, to lose weight, we did it. But I started doing it at hotels to uh, kind of sweat out the night before. Uh -huh. And after one particularly rough night, I sat on the side of the, uh, the tub in this homemade sauna I had made, and I was just praying I said, God, please help me stop doing this to myself. And I heard an audible voice. Maybe it was just so loud in my own head. But I heard a voice say, help yourself. You know, like, and it, it just hearing those two words, again, maybe it was in my own head, but hearing those words, it was basically God telling to me, or at least that's how I took it, was God saying, I have given you everything you need. You have everything you need inside of you. Yeah. If you need to quit doing something in order to find those things that are with inside inside of mm -hmm. you, then then do it. But don't ask me to yeah. <laughs> to do what I've already given you the ability to do. Yeah. No one can stop stuffing the door with towels, but you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or stop drinking. Or, or whichever. Yeah. 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 No one can stop but you. Yeah. And, that, and it was those two words said all of those things to me and mm -hmm. maybe it was God audibly saying it I mean I'm not I can't say what don't discount it yeah I can't because I, I no one was there but I heard it yeah I heard a voice say it yeah um, so maybe God was probably tired <laughs> he's like listen dum dum <laughs> I'm gonna say this one time mm -hmm. <laughs> out loud yeah um, but it stuck you yeah. know um 
that took a couple of weeks, but it stuck. Yeah. I never forgot that moment. I had to come back off the road for a little while. And, and sometimes I think you have to reaffirm those moments. You know, it's, yeah. you know, I I know I heard you before, but I need to hear it again. Right. So, yeah. So. Have you had those kind of moments? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I bet you have. Yeah. Is there anyone in particular that you'd like to share with us? Oh no, not really. It just there's a string of times over the years when I would get disappointed in the faith, disappointed by the faithful, and just like forget it, mm-hmm. you know, let me out of here. Yeah. And uh, and for a ways, for a while, sometimes I would go away, mm-hmm. but uh, I could not stay away. Right. Did you ever feel that way while you were? Did you were you ever working and not believing as strongly as you maybe should have or felt like you weren't? Or? I preached many a sermon in the context of doubt. Okay. And uh, again, I don't have them listed, but I know the moments were there when I was leading a service, and I don't know where my heart was, but it was not there. Mm-hmm. God understands all of those things and, and you kind of taught me that that um, God doesn't hold grudges, right? No, thank God. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be in a lot of trouble if he did. <laughs> um, So there was no particular event or beginning uh, that led you to God in the first place, like this is what I'm going to do with my life. Just, no. No, that was a moment uh, laying in bed one night, say halfway through high school, and wondering, what am I going to do? And as I said, all of my peers were going into the church. So I said, why not me? I'm going to the church. And that was not a profoundly spiritual moment, but uh, God took over from there. Did most of your friends who went into it, did they stay? Yeah, I think almost 100%. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. You know, not always pastors. We have some in the mission fields and uh, a bunch of us into uh, Christian education. Um, You seemed, and you mentioned it in in some of your sermons, that you had a very close relationship with your mother. Um, What's your best memory of your mother? I told you not to do that. <laughs> Make you cry? <laughs> I was crying. I, I don't know why that memory, but it stayed with me. Uh, we had big lilac tree on the farm. Okay. And I loved to climb up in the tree and cut off lilacs to bring in to mom. Uh-huh. And I was up there having been told, do not take a knife into the tree. Okay. And I did. And I cut my finger, which still has a scar on it. And uh, I got cuddled, but I also got uh, reprimanded. I told you not to do that. <laughs> and I don't know why that has stuck with me, but that <laughs> that memory is there. So yeah. when when Mama says don't, it's probably a good idea to don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make Michael listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is your Pastor Ted telling you this. And by the way, I cannot, uh, I can't, even in a text message, I can't just say Ted. I have to say Pastor Ted. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> it, seems, it seems disrespectful for me to well, not. And, it's what people call me. Yeah. Um, and I can't call you anything else, so I, I, you know, I hope you've been okay with it all the I'm year. fine. I'm fine. <laughs> Um, what's the proudest moment of your life? Well, you have one. a lot of things to be prideful of, but off the top of my head, it was the the day I retired. Officially, I retired three times. You know. And uh, they had a little ceremony at the church, Lakewood First, and uh, I gave the benediction, and I'm walking out, and uh, they stood with the applause. Nice. And uh, I swelled up. I bet you did. Yeah. Good. It makes me happy to to, uh, to hear. What's the most trying time of your life? The most trying time has been my struggle to provide leadership in the church for uh, for the reconciling congregational movements in the church, that the church could open its heart uh, to the gay and lesbian people in the church. Uh, I led the foundation of the Strength for the Journey retreats that are designed to provide ministry uh, for those people. And uh, those were very difficult years. Mm -hmm. How long ago was this? Oh, that was back in the uh, 70s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine especially back then. Yeah, yeah, it was rough. It was rough. And... The strangest thing that happened, I never have gotten over it, and I've never shared this before. Uh, there was a guy, Bert All, who was the real founder of the Strength for the Journey Retreats. And uh, Bert and I were really close friends. And uh, he eventually died. And after his death, I got bundles of sympathy cards from people who thought that he and I were in a, an intimate relationship, okay. which we never were, never crossed either of our minds. Right. Uh, but people saw us that way. Yeah. And uh, that was uh, kind of overwhelming to know what to do with that. Yeah. You know? And I preached his sermon at his funeral, and uh, I was treated like royalty. That was... Undeserved, but appreciated. Yeah. Well, we think it was deserved, Pastor Ted. Um, is there any kind of is there anything that you uh, have always feared, and now you realize was kind of silly? Is there anything like that? The only thing I've ever feared is being homeless. Really? And I don't know where that came from, but. 
I know when I came to Long Beach and I saw the first homeless people mm -hmm. in my life, and that was so horrible. It still is so horrible. Yeah. And, and I thought, God, don't let that happen to me. Yeah. Well, Casey and I were talking about that earlier, actually, about how, you know, I think a lot of people think that homelessness is like an economic issue, and of course it is. Yes. But I also think it's um, the mental health aspect of it is huge, mm -hmm. too. Like yeah. so many... So many homeless are just untreated, yeah. mentally ill people, unfortunately. Um, and and it seems like with, you know, all the trillions of dollars they spend on making sure we can blow up the world a thousand times, mm -hmm. that yeah. we should have people, you know... We can't feed the hungry. With their basic yeah. meat, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, we obviously have the, these, yeah. the ability. We can kill them, we can imprison them. But we can't house them and feed them. And give yeah. them the right medication. Yeah, we can't. I mean, or we won't. Right. Yeah, I, I saw a kid. We had to call the cops a couple times because we're like, there is a, he had to be a teenager behind a Starbucks on a mattress and he was just out of his mind. Like he had, I don't know what he had taken or whatever, but I was like, that's a human being. If that was a dog, they would have came and got that guy a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this kid is out there, and it just, I, I hope they, I hope they figure out a, a better way to go about it than they have yeah. been. Um, as you, you know, you're 80, and you've got some health issues and all that, and as you get closer to the end, are you afraid at all? No. Not at all? No. Okay. No. Well, that makes me happy, too. Do you have any preconceived notions about what happens when you pass away? No, I don't. I, I really don't dwell on it. I, I know I'm dying. Uh, I think it may not be as soon as the doctors thought it would be at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And the nurse who cared for me also thought that uh, they were jumping the gun. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's all right. They're doing their thing. Sure. And I'll live yeah. until I don't. Right. But I'm not afraid. Uh, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to hurt. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't want that for you either, obviously. But we were talking about that earlier, and I said to her father, and we were talking about it a little bit, I, I said, I, I think he's going to live longer than they think he's I hope you're to. right. I, I, you know. Um, and we would remark on it sometimes, like how strong you were through all of this, because you've had cancer for years now right three times three different times yeah. mm -hmm. and this last time you've been battling it for years right yeah yeah and the battle has been more difficult this time around yeah but i'm older sure but you've been i don't know if stoic is the right word but you've been like there are days where i, I think I, t I said this to you in the hospital i was like there are days where I was like, so how are you feeling? I expect you to go, I'm feeling great. And you're like, ah, not good at all. Yeah. <laughs> but I would have had no idea. Um, have you always been that way? Kind of a tough guy? Pretty much so, yeah. 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 Not by design. I haven't tried to be tough. Right. But uh, as I said, I really don't like pain. And uh, I uh, refuse to go there willingly.
So I try to keep my spirits up, and I, I'm surrounded with positive people, yeah. and that makes it easier. Well, you guys have got some good genes. I mean, you've always looked great to me, and I know you're 80, and Howard's over there. 81. I, 81, sorry. Um, Howard, your brother, I, when, I, when I smacked him on the shoulder earlier, you're still, you're still pretty built there, Howard. Still yeah. a pretty strong guy. So uh, you've got some good genes from yeah. somewhere. He's scared. <laughs> Howard is scared. Yeah. Well, I don't blame him. You know, um, you're his big brother, and I have a brother, and I have two brothers, um, and and I can't imagine. So, so there's nothing wrong with that, Howard. Um, and, and yeah. So. Um, I think I've asked you all the questions I wanted to ask you. Um, well, then stop. <laughs> I will stop. And uh, uh, is there anything that you would like to share with, with people listening about God or about no, your life? No, just uh, thanks for being here. Yeah. Well, we love you very much, and uh, we're honored to have met you and changed our life, you know, um, and all for the good. And, uh, well, I, I don't mean facetiously at all. It's been mutual. You know, I if I've helped someone grow, then I have grown also. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we touched on it a little bit earlier, and sometimes you feel God more than others. Um, but when you... When you were leading the sermon, we felt him more than we ever have. So I think that's a, a compliment to you. And I'm glad. I hope that's how you take it, because that's how I mean it. And uh, we love you to death. Is there anything you want to say, Casey? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> you, you can't tear me up and then ask me to say something. Casey's a baby. That's not fair. <laughs> well, we love you very much, and we know I know exactly what picture we're going to use to... Uh, put up for this podcast it's going to be the picture of you and Micah that's one of oh, my good. that's good that's one of my favorite pictures ever and uh, so I'm going to close this thing before I start crying too but um, this is not our last conversation by any means um, but yeah it's making me tear up so I'm going to let you guys go uh, it's always going to make it happen M-A-C-A and it happened how about little Bo Macon and uh, tour dates and all that stuff are on timgatorcomedy.com and I don't have your book in front of me, but um, what is the name of the title of it again? Love and Intimacy in the Bible. Love and Intimacy in the Bible. Uh, I read that. It's really good. And I will... Uh, There's a bunch of them in the office. Oh, yeah. Pastor Ted is an author as well as a pastor and a uh, very smart um, man. And I've always enjoyed our conversations about writing and stage fright and, and all that stuff because it's something you've dealt with. Yeah career as well and I'm finding out that a lot of the greats um, have that we're terrified <laughs> yeah and that makes me feel better yeah so well thank you very much if you don't have anything else to add uh, we've enjoyed our conversation here you're welcome you're welcome alright thank you buddy we love you Casey you sure uh, yeah <laughs> alright thanks for listening everybody God bless all of you bye bye